Hello and welcome to Rory and Dara's Research and Development. I'm Rory. And I'm Dara. And we'd like to welcome you to the show. Over the coming weeks, we are going to be looking up and researching some very interesting topics. And hopefully we are going to develop as people alongside you, our listeners. Thus the premise of the show, Research and Development. That's exactly it. And I'm really looking forward to it, Rory, I have to say. I hope you all are looking forward to it too. Um, we've had about a week now to research some different topics. Yes, we have. And we have written down all our little notes. We've learned valuable skills while <laughs> we, we have. have been in college. So our note taking is absolutely superb. 
You're, um, you're not going to get better notes. No, 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 no. 100% <laughs> the best. Reminds me of study clicks. Oh, gosh. Those, those leaving cert days, huh? Yeah, we, we, we can sell these on now. 100% <laughs> eBay or done deal. Oh, brilliant now. We were already thinking. We are. <laughs> the big picture. Th- this is the type of thinking that'll get you places in life. You exactly, know I mean? exactly. <laughs> so this week's topics are James Bond and Robot Dolphins. Um, we don't know what links these two topics together, but we have an hour to think about what yeah, links we, the topics. We um, kind of put our, our hands in a hat. We had a load of topics. Mm. We, I took out James Bond. And I, and I took out Robot Dolphins. And <laughs> we're going to try and link these um, unlinkable topics together somehow. Somehow, some, some way. Yeah. <laughs> so the clock is ticking. We have about 57 minutes left to link them. Yeah, there we go. Against the clock. <laughs> Get the countdown clicker going. <laughs> oh my goodness. We need, we need Jimmy Carr from, uh, what's it, 8 out of 10 cats. To Those countdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that show. That's, That's brilliant, brilliant actually. That is a very good show. But shall we begin? So we will. First topic. You, you've, you've researched it. It's James Bond. It is James Bond, but um, I suppose I'm going to try and look at the whole character of James Bond on a different level. Okay. Many people mightn't know that James Bond is actually inspired by a real person. No way, Or a really? few different people. Yeah, yeah. Schweppes. So, um, Ian Fleming had quite a colourful past. He met a lot of different people, worked with some extremely interesting characters, and all of these people kind of accumulated into the persona that was James Bond. He's quite a cool persona. He's a very cool persona. A guy I'd love to be, Rory. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> the Connemara James Bond. Seamus uh, O'Bond. Smisha Seamus. Seamus O'Bond. So, there's actually a new biography of Wing Commander Forrest Tommy Yo Thomas, okay? And he was Britain's greatest secret agents of the war. And the writer of this biography claims that the character of W of 007 um, is actually based on this guy, Yo Thomas. Yeah, Schweppes. so it's really interesting. So Yo Thomas um, was known by the code name of the White Rabbit. Oh, that, that, that is a very ominous code Very name. ominous, isn't it? <laughs> you hear the White Rabbit, you're not going <laughs> to... You're not going to mess with them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he was parachuted into France three times during World War Two. And after one mission, reporting back directly to Winston Churchill, he was actually captured. Oh. So he was actually on the way to report back to Winston Churchill on one of the telegrams or something like that. And he was actually captured and tortured by the Gestapo. Oh, he- that's never a, <laughs> a that's, good thing to happen to so anyone. <laughs> imagine now you're on your way. To telephone booth to make a phone call. Oh god! And then someone jumps you, basically. I that no no thank you. Mum and dad would be awfully worried. They would. Same here, and I hope they would be. Yeah, exactly. Well, the problem is the Gestapo are the secret police, so uh, you couldn't call the police. To That's get exactly you out. it. That's exactly it. Oh gosh, he's on his own. Yeah. Poor white rabbit. Oh, poor white rabbit is right. But anyways, he was taken to a concentration camp, but this is where his 007 skills him in handy he actually managed to escape hey and reach allied land as allied lines okay so you're probably wondering what links him back to james bond so his link to james bond is actually revealed in a document discovered at the national archives in west london by a historian 
by the name of Sophie Jackson. And she actually did a lot of research into a new account of um, Yo Thomas's exploits. And the name of that account is Churchill's White Rabbit, The True Story of a Real Life James Bond. Ah, well, <laughs> there you go. That's an excellent title. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very cool. Um, he was quite the man. Yeah, by all accounts, especially to be the person that James Bond, the man who every man realistically wants yeah. to be, you know, to be to be the person the character is based off of, you have to have some some tale to tell. Oh, you do for sure, for sure. But um, recently enough, actually, there was a, a declassification of military documents. Okay. And this woman, Sophie Jackson, did a bit of researching and she actually found a written memo by Ian Fleming himself. So he actually worked in intelligence at the time um, during World War II on the British side. And in that memo, he actually relays information about Yo Thomas's exploits. So he was actually aware of the White Rabbit. Ah. He had, you know, relayed a lot of messages from him, relayed his heroic escape from the concentration camp. So he was actually aware of this guy's presence. So he didn't read about him secondhand. It was a first-hand no, kind of experience. He, he was dealing with them head on. That's brilliant. And probably this is the most interesting um, topic about James Bond that I researched all week is kind of the different sequences in the movies that you can actually link back to the White Rabbit. Oh, wow. Which is very cool. So probably the most striking is the experience of James Bond at the hands, oh, sorry, of the White Rabbit at the hands of the Gestapo. <laughs> Interchangeable. That, mo that movie hasn't been released yet. <laughs> 2022. But um, the stuff that the White Rabbit went through is actually kind of recreated in a scene from the first James Bond novel, you know, Casino Royale. Mm. And as well as the more kind of recent film of the same name. So if you can recall, you know the way 007 is taken to the um, the shed, I believe, and he's tortured. Mm. So that's actually the way that the White Rabbit was tortured by the Gestapo. Very oh. similar techniques that were used. Oh gosh, and he and James Bond did not have a good time. No, he didn't <laughs> enjoy it one bit. No, no, no. Not at all. Gosh. But um, that's only kind of one aspect of it. And then on an earlier mission, on a train containing lots of Germans, Yo Thomas had found himself having tea with Klaus Barbie, a notorious Nazi known as the Butcher of Leon. Okay? Oh. Another awful title. Another awful <laughs> title. God, the Butcher of Leon. Another, so, um, he took the last seat in the dining car of the Leon to Paris Express. But then the White Rabbit realised he was sitting next to the notorious local chief of the Gestapo. Okay? And the Nazis were on the lookout for Yo Thomas at the time. But the agent was fluent in French, as you do. Mm. Yo, Thomas, the White Rabbit. And he engaged Barbie in conversation and pretended that he was a supporter of the um, German occupation. That takes yeah. balls. Doesn't <laughs> it? Like, even to have the fluency of French. Like, if I was in the same um, situation, I'd drop down to pass French. Fifth year. 
So it's, it's not going to be I'd, very useful I'd to you. I'd be screwed. That. I'd be Je m'appelle Dara and that would be it. I, <laughs> and if I said Dara, I'd be screwed because they know my name then. <laughs> no code names. Yes. Just straight in with the real one. So at the end of their meal, he was uncertain whether um, this German guy had actually figured out who he was. And just as the German guy kind of looked at him sideways, as to say, he ran out of the train and managed to escape just as it pulled into Paris. So he was able to sort of read this guy's facial expressions and see that slight change and he was gone. Straight out the door. Wow. (laughs) And this encounter has echoes of a scene from the novel Russia with love in which Bond is on the Orient Express and has dinner with an enemy agent who is pretending to be an ally okay so I suppose you can see the links between Yo Thomas and 007 just the way a lot of experiences that Yo Thomas went through are echoed in the movies which and the novels which is really cool and there's actually further evidence of this. So, on another occasion, Yo Thomas adopted the identity of another man. Okay. To evade detection. And if you recall, in Diamonds Are Forever and on Her Majesty's Secret Service, <laughs> this tactic has been used by Bond like on several occasions, mm. which is very interesting. A staple of the Bond films. Oh, exactly. Yeah. A staple of them. And like the license to kill 007, Yo Thomas always carried a weapon, even though it was contrary to SOE policy, and he was always prepared to use it. I I have to ask you, Darren, was it a Walter PPK? (laughs) I would imagine it was. Brilliant. (laughs) What a man. What a man. And I just love kind of telling more stories about Joe Thomas because I actually think he's kind of more interesting than Bond himself. Oh yeah, this this is all non-fiction. Non-fiction. It's, it's real, real events that exactly, occurred. Exactly, yeah. So on one occasion he was unable to shake off an enemy agent pursuing him through the streets of Paris. So what he did was he lured him to a bridge and hid in the shadows. And when his pursuer, pursuer arrived Joe Thomas pounced on him and shot him at very close range before tossing his body in the river. So he was, he was fairly, I wouldn't say bloodthirsty, but he was pretty cutthroat. Yeah, gee whiz, he, he took no prisoners, he, it seemed. He had a license to kill, basically. Aye. <laughs> and he could also kill with his bare hand, he didn't need a weapon. Oh God. So in 1920, after volunteering to serve with the Polish army against the Soviets, as you do, so yeah, volunteering like that, he escaped from a Russian prison by strangling a guard. Oh, gosh. So, not only has he escaped from the Gestapo, escaped from one of the most notorious Nazis at the time that was literally staring him in the face. He had dinner. Not only did he escape a pursuer and then shot him in the chest, basically, he actually escaped from a Russian gulag prison. With no weapons. This sounds like the greatest James Bond movie. Like, writers, paid writers, could not write this. No. It's, that's incredible. It's the best. It's the best, absolutely. Absolutely amazing. But the, the real spy, as it was, 007, when you think about him, 
you also think he's quite charming. Mm. He's a ladies' man. Yes. Everyone yeah. knows that. And your Thomas, fair play to him, oh. was the same. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so he was dashing. And he actually worked at a French fashion house before the war. Oh, so he's fashionable as well. Very fashionable. Probably one of the most fashionable people of the time. The most fashionable soldier, I would I would say. But that, that's another, that's, that is a title you'd like. The most fashionable soldier in World War II. Yeah. <laughs> so he used um, these skills to great effect. You know, he, uh, the women loved him. <laughs> he actually seduced a few um, female Nazi guards into giving him some Inform- secrets uh. and information which he was able to relay to the Allies. Which also echoes of James Bond. Absolutely. The, the Bond girl being seduced by James Bond is, once again, another staple of the James Bond flick. Uh, James Bond books as well, sorry. Literally. And we keep referencing the movies, but of course it's based on the books. So. But unfortunately, after the war, as many poor soldiers, he succumbed to a lot of recurring nightmares and illness. Wow. And he was more psychologically troubled probably than James Bond in any of his novels even the darker ones and unfortunately he died in 1964 at the age of 62 oh that, that's quite young but his legacy lives on through the books that's, which is amazing yeah, that is great um, and even if I didn't know who James Bond was and if you were to put a guy called James Bond in front of me and let's say I had no prior knowledge and Yo Thomas and said who's cooler I picked Yo Thomas every single day of the week oh yes yeah no 100% Yo Thomas the white rabbit uh, Yo Thomas like, <laughs> Yo my man was popping he was brilliant <laughs> Poppin, I love it. Oh gosh, uh, I wonder. I wonder if he ever thought he'd be described as Poppin. <laughs> I hope he is honoured. I I'd be honoured, Dad. Uh, uh, well, Rory, you were Poppin. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, Dad. <laughs> What's Poppin? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, but you you were just mentioning there that his his illness and I I take it it was PTSD. Yes. Um, I I'd say that Daniel Craig has started kind of bring that into his character a bit more in the recent films. Certainly. If you were to compare maybe Pierce Brosnan's portrayal of James Bond, mm. it was much more kind of comedic, light-hearted, you know, he was whimsical, very cunning, yeah. um, charming. Whereas Daniel Craig, his kind of interpretation of James Bond is darker, maybe not as charming in ways, really like troubled on the inside mm. and that he's using that anger to motivate him to take out these tasks and would you say that's closer to um the white rabbit's (laughs) true personality because as you said he killed a man with his bare hands i'd say it's way more realistic yes yes like i actually think daniel craig would play yo thomas brilliantly in a Mm. movie just Mm. like 007 because it is that sort of gritty time you know 1945 you know the war it is really dark Mm. it wasn't a pleasant era to be not at all like if you were to go into a time machine (laughs) and you could invent you could end up in any year and you ended up in 
1945, I'd say I got it the the raw end of the stick to be honest drew the short straw there yeah, yeah literally <laughs> did yeah probably probably not the first uh time uh time zone that i would uh pick if i was a time traveler no no know, no time no. period yeah, I, I, know. I wouldn't pick that either no but um yeah yo thomas what what a man to inspire inspire such an incredible character and i have to say i'm really glad that his legacy can live on oh i'm so happy too mm. um even the fact, you know, he died at a pretty youngish yeah, age, yeah. you know. And if he had another 20 years, he might have seen some of the James Bond movies and said, hey, that's me. Yeah, you know what I mean? So he, he'd be able to sue. He'd be able to sue, is right. And oh he should have. I, wa- I wonder if uh, Ian Fleming waited until his passing to... <laughs> uh, he, he, he probably... It was probably in the back of his mind all the time, mm. I'd say. Because well, you wouldn't want to cross a man that's been known to shoot pursuers and strangle men with his no, bare hands. You, no way. You'd want to stay on his right side, of oh, any side at all. <laughs> 100% you would want to stay well clear of him. But... Do you think he, do you think he carried, carried with him all the, you know, the, the, was his conscious heavy with everything that he had to do, do you think? Or do you think he kind of, I think he felt from what I've read and researched about him, that whatever he did was necessary. Okay. And I think he always backed it up by the fact that if he didn't do it, he was going to be the one that would end up dead. Mm. So, Mm. I actually think he had a pretty clear conscience. Yes, okay. And I don't think it's the actions he took in World War Two that kind of gave him the recurring nightmares. I would actually say it's the experience of actually being in the prison. Yes. And going okay. through that rather than having nightmares of how he escaped. Okay, okay. So it wasn't it wasn't the things that he did. It was the experiences he had. Rather exactly. Than, okay. Exactly. Okay. That's my take on it. Anyways. Mm. No, he did sound like a man who had um, quite justified morals. I'm I'm not I'm not sure if I would justify that. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to probably kill somebody to escape a prison. I'd... I Rory, I wouldn't be able to speak French. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> on the same level. We're on the same level. <laughs> speak yeah. French, murdering someone with the bare hands. I think I think that's. Comparison of where we're at. <laughs> oh gosh, but then um, if if Ireland were to have a spy agency, do you think do you think it'd be cool as like MI six or any of those? I would personally, like I've dreamed of a project for many years, many years. If you could take a sort of an Irish take on Bond, Bond, yeah, Seamus or Bond. Oh. Brilliant. <laughs> Bond, Seamus O'Bond, based out in, I don't know, Rossaville or something like that. Oh, that would be brilliant. That would be class. That would be brilliant. The real playboy of the Western world. The real playboy <laughs> of the Western world is right. I wonder I wonder what he'd go undercover for. Like, what would he be investigating if uh, <laughs> Seamus O'Bond... Oh, I, well, it would probably be maybe illegal fishing or stuff like that. Yes. Ah, that would be good. He's so he'd actually be employed by the EU, would you say? Rather I than would the say what he'd be doing was if a boat from another country came into Irish waters, oh. Seamus O'Bond. Off uh, he goes. Off he goes. There he goes. As a little jet ski, rather. <laughs> little jet ski. <laughs> make it make it more uh, cool, you know. <laughs> He's got to keep his um. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? 
his image. His image. That there we go. He's got to keep his image. Big tricolor on the back. (laughs) That would be brilliant. Not giving anything away. (laughs) No, not giving any like the most undercover agent as well. Oh gosh. If if he was Irish though, it'd be probably like um, you know, Bond. We have the nuclear codes, (laughs) and we will detonate them. He'd probably say, all right, yeah, go on. Yeah, I dare you. <laughs> yeah, I, I dare you. Go on. Test go on, so, Yeah, exactly. He would have nerves of steel. Oh, he would. Absolute nerves of steel. There and if go. and if you, if you got past Bond, you wouldn't get past his mother. Oh. <laughs> Mrs. Bond. <laughs> Mrs. Bond. Oh, gosh. Clean them all out. Clean them all out. Uh, off with you. Chase you off with the wooden spoon. The You're gone. Like, off into You're the gone. mountains. Oh, gosh. Well, I think that's the real deterrent, you know. I think so, too. There you go. The Irish Mammy. The Irish Mammy. Isn't it funny how we've been able to link the Irish Mammy to James Bond? <laughs> but not dolphins. Not dolphins to James Bond. I'm still thinking about that. I don't know where the Irish mother came into the, the whole equation there. <laughs> Poor Yo Thomas is going, what now? Yeah, Yo Thomas was like, actually, you know, Darry, you're doing a really, really nice job of telling my story. And then at the end, he's like, What's going, What's going on? on? Yeah, he's he's confused. <laughs> he's, he's experienced everything. Yeah, yeah. He, he still doesn't understand what's going yeah, on. Exactly. We'd like to apologise to you, yeah. Thomas. <laughs> on that note, the Irish mammy, Yo Thomas. I think it's a good good way to end the James Bond segment. So we're gonna we're gonna play a song now uh, that you might have heard from TikTok. Um, I'm just looking for its name right now. It's called Crystal Dolphin. Uh, I hope you enjoy, and we'll be back just after this song. You're probably very confused as to um, why we played that song. You probably recognize it from TikTok. Mm-hmm. When we were looking for songs about dolphins, we actually didn't know we'd stumble across this song because I've watched so many different dances 
TikTok dances to be more specific <laughs> to this song. Yes. And it's about dolphins, there which is go. perfect. So you're probably also wondering what the link, the link. and the purpose or porpoise between <laughs> dolphins and 007 is. Yeah, you like that one. I right? really enjoyed that. <laughs> but anyways, this is the purpose. So in 2017, Russian state television actually reported that the country was experimenting with uh, using beluga whales, bottlenose dolphins, and several species of seal to guard entrances to naval bases, assist drivers, and possibly kill strangers who entered their territory. So technically, these dolphins and you know different mammals are spies there you go james bond spy spy <laughs> dolphin spy, spy perfect link there we go there we Th- go we'll say no more perfect link <laughs> we don't know how we did it but we did it all right so i've been researching robot dolphins and i'll tell you why i decided to research robot dolphins or uh, realistically just picked it up <laughs> but fungi the dolphin as you know uh, appeared in county Kerry's dingle harbour in 1983. So quite a while ago, you know, fungi appeared quite a while ago. <laughs> and believe it or not, I've seen fungi on many occasions. Oh, wow. In Dingle, yeah. Very friendly fella. Did you, did you enjoy your experience with him? I did. I felt honoured to be in his presence and I hope he's still there. Now, I saw a, f- a very funny picture of fungi in Donegal <laughs> and he was on his holidays and he had little paddy cap on, and he was trotting around Donegal. So who knows? He could be there. Well, hopefully, hopefully he's in Donegal and enjoying himself. But all I know right now is that fungi has vanished, um, and this is extremely worrying. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, no, but no. it is quite worrying as he's not been gone from the area for more than a few hours in 37 years. Oh wow! So <laughs> this has been the longest he's been away. Yeah. Um, and what, what's a bit, you know, what adds to the worry is that a multi-vessel search invo- involving sonar has just been called off this week. Oh, no. So they're, they're no longer, no longer uh, looking for fungi uh, around Dingle. But hopefully he pops up. And I, I hope he does. I genuinely hope he does. I actually think he's probably hiding. He's having his little secret. Some, some spy dolphins came and chased him away. I think he's, he's, a, he's a spy, actually. Maybe he's retiring. He's retiring from all his spying. <laughs> that's, uh, I, I would say that's a very plausible theory, to be honest. There you go. Well, I'm playing devil's advocate, Darth, and I'm afraid Fungi's not coming back. Nah. He's gone. He's gone. He's retired. He's, he's taken his pension and he's left. That's him gone. Finn. He's, <laughs> he's Finn. 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 Oh, my God. So it's now time to look for a replacement for Fungi. And... You know, which ties in very nicely to this topic. Uh, Robot dolphins are the solution. (laughs) There we go. So I I looked at a company that are, you know, um, heading this kind of innovative new technology, animatronics in robot dolphins and everything like that, with artificial intelligence, superb engineering, everything like that. I just want to kind of tell you their story, what led to the creation of these new inventions, and then how they're going to, one, save the dingle tourism industry yeah <laughs> and two help you know 
marine animals that have been captive in resorts and stuff like that for a long time and these could replace them and it would help with animal rights and everything like that. So Edge Innovations has, have been developing these technologies since 1993. That's quite an important date. Can you think of any movies that came out around then? Don't, don't answer just yet, actually. <laughs> I just realised that will throw me off completely. <laughs> but um, they're, they're, the goal of their initiative is to reimagine the entertainment, educational and business potential of the marine animal industry, right? So as I was saying, you know, completely reimagine it, replace captive animals and everything like that. But they use uh, real-time animatronics that are hyper-real creatures capable of delivering any experience you can imagine. Wow. Any experience you can imagine. Just think, Dara. What experiences can you think of? <laughs> what I can imagine now... So I said I'd go to the fridge. All right. And if I'd have to get out of this chair, and I would have to walk my way over to, over the, to fridge the fridge and get a Ben and Jerry's tub of ice cream, my dolphin wouldn't even need water to swim. He could literally just hop up on his fins and walk all the way to the fridge. Brilliant. That is just one of the the groundbreaking innovations <laughs> that are coming to my head about <laughs> dolphins. dolphins. Robot yeah. dolphins. Robo dolphins. Oh my goodness. Well, I'll get onto Edge Innovation for you and I'll get them to program that into their <laughs> animatronics. So the story of Edge Innovation uh, actually begins even before 1993. and begins in 1986 with the production of Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. Now, I'll just, if no one can see, I'm currently doing the Live Long and Prosper sign. I can only do it on my left hand. Can, can you do it on both? I can do it on both. Darren can do it on both. I can only do it on one hand. I don't fully understand. People have told me that you can train yourself. Oh, that's very close. But people can train. That is very close. Well, what I always do is I imagine my fourth finger and third finger just pushing away. Pushing away. And then the other two go with them. Okay. Well, I'll have to practice that. In, in, in my own time, because I don't think us practicing the Live Long and Prosper sign over radio waves is a very entertaining Somehow, prospect. I don't think you'll be able to see it. No, but to, to put it in, to, you know, to describe it for you, Dara's very good at it. I'm not so great. You're 50% of the way there. 50% of the way there. There you go. Uh, just 5 more percent, I'll get my pass and my Live Long and Prosper uh, module. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the director was also the actor of Spock, Leonard Nimoy. And he had this, he envisaged this dream that he was going to implement whales into the movie. I don't know why. I wasn't in the head of Leonard Nimoy. But he, he, he really wanted whales to be in his movie. Like space whales. Exactly, space whales. Space whales to be in his movie. Yeah. Um, so his first, his first idea came. And it seems like it was a very, you know, of the moment, spur of the moment kind of idea. Um, when they attempted to film a whale called Humphrey when it swam into the San Francisco Bay in 1985. So basically, what well, Leonard Nimoy is the director, he's writing this film, you know, the fourth one in the Star Trek franchise, and he goes, oh my God, there's a whale in the bay, quick, film it, film it. <laughs> he gets fangirly about whales. So he gets divers to dive down into the ocean, or into the bay, sorry, well, yeah, same thing, um, with 35 millimeter cameras, and they start to um, record Humphrey the whale. Um, and, and, and just to clarify, I know that dolphins and whales are different. <laughs> they, they have different purposes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But sadly, um, the 35mm cameras couldn't get a clear enough image. So um, Nimoy was nearly ready to scrap the entire idea of whales. 
But then, he decided, well, he didn't decide, a, a man called Walt Conti approached him. And on the spot, Leonard Nimoy hired Walt Conti, because Walt Conti promised Leonard Nimoy what he wanted, and that was Wales in his production. So, Conti um, was not an experienced filmmaker, um, but he, his background was in engineering and design, um, and he felt that made him very well equipped for the solution that he, he came up with. And that was to create these dolphin, uh, sorry, whale um, kind of models that would swim on their own in these <coughs> miniature tanks that they would then film from the outside of the tank, oh, wow. but it would look like they're underwater. That is very smart. Exactly. That is very smart. And, and researching Walt Conti, because he's also the founder of Edge Innovation, I forgot to mention that, but he is an incredibly smart man and he is incredibly good at managing people and resources. As, you, as you'll find out later. And that come, that is integral to what Edge Innovations are doing. And that kind of technique reminds me of the Titanic movie. So I kind of saw a picture of the background yes. of how they shot the movie. And when I was watching the Titanic movie, I always thought that they actually had not the Titanic <laughs> But a boat like the Titanic. Yes, yes. But they only had a little, tiny little ship about the size of this desk mm. in miniature water. Everything was miniature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then shot it from there. Everything scaled down. Everything also, scaled it, down. it's sinking and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, this is, this is exactly what they wanted to do on Star Trek for the voyage home. However, I'll get into Conti's next... Um, project in a, in a couple of seconds but I'll just finish how they did it so uh, Conti watched footage of whale movement and created a prototype of a whale animatronic he showed it to the Paramount executives and they loved it so much as in Conti did such a great job that they hired a small crew to help him complete the animatronics for the movie oh wow yeah so they, they, they backed him they backed him but this was not the beginning of Edge Innovations yet so the Star Trek whales were such a success that in 1992 when the Warner Brothers studio, so a separate, separate studio at this time, decided to make Free Willy, <laughs> oh, yes. the movie, uh, Walt Conti was one of the first names signed to the, up to the project. So in the movie, it follows a boy and his relationship with this um, whale uh, called uh, Willy. And he, um, they decide together, Willy and the boy, that they want to escape from the resort, the, the marine kind of yeah. institute that Willy's been trapped in. But they had a problem. So a real name, a real whale named Kaiko uh, portrayed Willy in the scenes that took place at the marine park that they were shooting in. So that was fine. Everything was one-to-one -one scale. And it was really easy to do. However, just under half the film was dedicated to Willy's rescue from the park and return to the ocean. Oh, okay. So they wanted to film in the actual ocean with one-to-one -one scale models. Wow. Because they, they had to have real life actors people like you yeah. or i um acting against or with this whale animatronic so it's a very tough ask but walt conti was the man for the job so and uh initially they had no idea how to do it watch walt conti's stuff on star trek loved it hired him on the spot so until the production of free willy the shark models from jaws not taking into account the star trek ones because they were very small uh, had been the pinnacle of animatronics to that stage uh, though they were only partial models and were mostly operated by cameras and divers, what the film, uh, what the filmmakers for Free Willy wanted was were fully functioning swimming whale animatronics that didn't need to be connected to anyone and could be remote controlled 
Isn't that mental? That is crazy. That um, is absolutely crazy. So the studio quickly ramped up a facility for Conti and helped him assemble a team. Uh, the facility had to be fully operational in a matter of weeks to stay in line with the studio schedule. Oh, wow. So um, they didn't have that much time to mm, prepare. Not at all. And this is where Conti's management skills come in big time because yeah. they had a very short window of opportunity. And if he did not succeed, it was over. Absolutely over for them. So yeah. he was... Yeah. <laughs> There was a lot of pressure on this man who'd just been making miniatures in a swimming pool up in Dolis. Quite, quite a, a scale up, literally. E exactly, exactly. Uh, so the animatronic studio had the best equipment and some of the best engineers, artists, fabricators and technicians in the special effects business. Uh, and this is where Edge, Innov Edge Innovations began. Uh, the highly talented crew assembled for the production of Free Willy uh, would form the core of Edge Innovations for years to come. So they were, they're the people who are still employed today creating animatronics for these marine wow. institutes, which is very, very nice to hear that they've been working for such a long time yeah. cohesively together. That was brilliant. So the idea of scaling the four-foot whales from Star Trek into the 22-foot whales for Free Willy obviously ran into a couple of problems. I would imagine so. <laughs> it's not a completely feasible yeah. thing. Like If I asked you, I don't know, to scale anything up that you own, it would be quite difficult, you'd think, especially if you want it to work exactly the way it worked in its smaller form. Like, I see right here behind us in our in our studio, <laughs> there's a there's a miniature airplane. There is. It's making a, a full-sized airplane is not... It's a 1 to 200 scale model. Well, there you go. There you go. It's it, it would be very difficult if I asked you to make that model one-to-one -one scale. Well, it wouldn't be able to fit in the room. It wouldn't be <laughs> no, able to fit in the house. <laughs> maybe, maybe out in the green outside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, the first problem that they came in with the, the Star Trek whales being scaled up is that there was only one horsepower in the Star Trek whales. They needed 200 horsepower in the full-size Free Willy models. So 200 dolphin power. They, yes, exactly. And and the whale, for Free Willy, weighed 3,084 <laughs> kilograms. That is a lot. It's, it's mental. That's a lot of bags of sugar. It is indeed. indeed. If you want to put that in perspective, uh, if you have a one kilogram bag yeah. of sugar, it's about 3,084 bags yeah. of sugar. About. That's a lot of sugar. That's a lot of sugar. Uh, and the second problem was to de determine how the... And this is part of the 3,084 kilograms, but the 1,814 uh, kilograms of skin of the free willy whale would behave compared to the 16 kilograms of skin that had been on the Star Trek whale. Oh, wow. So just the skin alone yeah. nearly weighed 2,000 kilograms. That's mental. That is... I get onto the skin because the skin is such an important part of this tale because yeah. this is kind of, this is the climax of Conti's tale with Edge Innovations is that skin. But I'll get on to that. Yeah. You know, a bit of foreshadowing. I like <laughs> it, you know, keep them on the edge of their seats. Reminds me of uh, our Hamlet studies. <laughs> the foreshadowing for the whole of the, the play. Oh, I'm no Shakespeare, but I'll take it, Darren. <laughs> you I'm sitting beside William Shakespeare himself. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, if I got to marry Anne Hathaway, that... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so the, the final major, prob uh, major problem was to balance the whale. So that it didn't float on its belly in the water. So it wasn't upside down the entire time. Um, so the first two problems were quite easily solved. I say easily solved. Not easily solved. It took weeks, if wow. not months of astro-engineering. Uh, er, sorry, aerospace engineering. 
<laughs> space uh, whales. Yeah, exactly. Space. Going back to the Star another, Trek. Another point. link. There another we go. Link. There we go. So aerospace and engineering, um, and they use military grade hydraulic components that were used in aerospace engineering, and they had to convince the military vendors to reduce their delivery times from months to weeks to fit in their schedule. Like, imagine trying to, one, having the cojones to go up to a military vendor and ask for their merchandise when you're not a military, and two, telling them you need it pronto. Like, that takes a lot of guts. It does. So the final problem was then solved using aerospace level design that optimized the mechanical hull of the whale so that it achieved neutral buoyancy. So they put most of the electrical equipment and everything like that that they designed from scratch, I should say. The, the, uh, all the remote controls and electrical pieces inside the whales were designed from scratch by the Edge Innovation. Wow. Team. Well, because it was unprecedented what they were doing. They No one had ever created animatronics this realistic before. So it kind of went into the belly of the whale so that it added, acted as a buoyancy aid so it wouldn't flip over. Uh, it could flip over this whale, though, which is which is very cool. But, so it was literally like a submarine. It, they were building a submarine that no one could go inside and that had to act like a real creature. Like a whale. <laughs> like a that whale. That is crazy. Um, but, as I foreshadowed earlier, the most nerve-wracking moment came when the team had to pour the final one-piece skin onto the mechanical hull of the Willy model, which is insane. You know, all that skin mould going into the, 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 the Willy model is just insane. So nobody before had poured the amount of urethane product that, ha uh, that was needed for the whale skin. If anything went wrong, there wouldn't be enough time to pour another skin, as they had to, uh, as they had, had to wait uh, to 48 hours before shooting began to pour the 400 gallon mold. Well, uh, mold. 400 gallon. It was, this was incredible. Like what they were doing was insane. It was on the level of the special effects that they used in the original Star Wars, but for Free Willy. <laughs> that is crazy. Like, I've seen that movie and you wouldn't think... No, exactly. ...that much work has gone into it. Exactly. So much work. Months of work. Um, all to a very strict deadline. And they were still tweaking the remote control. Because bear in mind, once the skin went on, you couldn't get inside the yeah, whale properly. that's the thing. Because you can't have incisions on a 360-degree model that you need to film from all angles. Yeah. So this was very important. Um, so they begin pouring, and to everyone's great relief, uh, the pour went smoothly, and the Willy model could move its neck, kick its tail, and open and close its jaw freely. It was clear to all that a new level of animatronics had been achieved. So they'd never before seen this. I, I can't state enough how massive this Willy model was for the animatronics industry. So Free Willy went on to become the summer hit of 1993 and spawned two sequels. Uh, Edge Innovation created 15 animatronic models across the trilogy, uh, each one building on the last. So it became more and more realistic with every iteration. So they had to, like... Keep going. Was that from scratch or did they just literally... It was from scratch because um, I must say I've seen Free Willy. I haven't seen Free Willy 2. But from what I've heard is they had to... Uh, create new Willy models uh, for each iteration because it was a, a different whale uh, because Kaiko died in 2003 or 2006 so they couldn't keep you yeah bless up bless up bless up Kaiko uh, so they couldn't use him for at least the final 
um, part of the trilogy. Um, so this uh, leads to the modern day where edge innovations have created hundreds of animatronics for film, television and theme parks. So they're like, are they the staple probably of animatronics? Oh, absolutely. They're, I don't know how to put it, but they're the equivalent to, let's say, Apple in the early 2000s when they came out with the iPhone. Yeah. That's how innovative and how new and fresh their ideas were for the industry. Because up until now, you were using stop motion. You were using, you know, all other means, matte paintings, everything like that. Well, you still use matte painting. But, um, you know, people couldn't get realistic looking animals without actually shooting the real animals on location. But this gave um, filmmakers a new freedom that they never had before. And as they say in the movie business, never work with animals <laughs> exactly. or kids. <laughs> exactly. So they were, they were completely taking out one of the uh, one of those, you know, no more animals. Uh, so from Universal Studios in Orlando and many other locations that Universal Studios are in, uh, to Disney Animal Kingdom, you can be sure that some of the edge innovation uh, models are there. And the, the real reason that this kind of came up this fungi idea, replacement to fungi, was that whilst I was uh, researching for this, I saw a, a video and it was a real dolphin in um, a marine park swimming beside an edge innovation dolphin. Um, but they didn't say which was the robot dolphin, the animatronic, and which was the real dolphin. So I, I kid you not, I spent a while looking at it I still could not tell. Couldn't tell. Until the end of the video when they told you. And I then went on and I listened to eyewitnesses' accounts from that day because they had people swimming with the dolphin and the robot dolphin. And they said that it was nearly impossible to tell the difference. Um, and Edge Innovation now is... Um, they helped uh, James Cameron with his deep sea dives. I think they helped design the submersible, the submarine that went the deepest into the Mariana Trench oh, ever. Oh, yes, um, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I can see a picture of it in my head. It's exactly. like a it's, yellow thing. Exactly, it's yeah. kind of long. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, it's quite a peculiar shape, but it worked. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. So they, 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 were, um, they helped with that, and then they've gone on to do all these marine animatronics in Disney World, and Disneyland, sorry. And they, in the Star Wars exhibition, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, I think it yeah. is. And they've, They've helped create these uh, animatronics that will answer and reply to children and everything like that. They've created the droids that I know these aren't animals, but yeah. they've created the droids that will move along in Galaxy's Edge and everything like that. So they're on. They are still to this day since nineteen ninety three all the way to twenty twenty. They are at the pinnacle of animatronics. But I think their hardest challenge would be if I asked them to make an animatronic. Of me. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny you should say that because uh, Walt Conti, the owner of Edge Innovation, said that he, he was he was asked by, um, I can't remember the news outlet. I'm afraid. I'm sorry. We will link them if we can. Um, once I find them out again, uh, <laughs> Darius just doing a little blessing to <laughs> to hope that we find find them out again. Um, but he he was quoted as saying that he is embarrassed of the animatronics he made. Uh, three years ago, let alone back in 1993, because of how far they've come. And he said they're literally less than half a decade away than being able to make realistic looking human animatronics. Now he says the AI, the artificial intelligence, is still quite a well off 
before you could have basically androids walking among us and not being able to tell the difference. Um, unless you're a conspiracy theorist and you already believe that. And everyone is an android, yeah. Exactly. All right. We are. Anyway. We are. Yeah. As David, as David Icke. David Icke, yes, yes, he would say. But because um, we're the media now. We're we the are. media now. We How cool are. is that to say? <laughs> uh, sorry, a little off topic. But um, he says they're only half a decade away from being able to produce uh, Android Dara Kellys. Android Dara Kellys. That sounds quite appealing, but quite scary at the I'm, same time. I'm not going to lie. I would like to have one. How cool would it be? <laughs> On our podcast, we'd have uh, three more. Yeah, exactly. A special guest each week, but yeah. it's you. I will, I'll, I'll uh, actually interview myself. That would be brilliant. I wonder, what would Android Dara say to you? No idea. Probably the exact same thing I'm saying now. He'd be thinking exactly what you're thinking. Yeah, that's crazy. So there you go. That's the tale. Walt Conti, Edge Innovations and robot dolphins that are going to save the dingle harbour uh, tourism industry because i do worry for them uh, from a from a genuine a genuine point here uh, is that i do worry that dingle tourism will um be hit quite badly uh with the the loss of uh, fungi and i do hope he re-emerges if not and um, i hope that they contact mr walt conti and uh, get a hold of him uh, i did I emailed him. He didn't email back. Oh. <laughs> uh, how cool would that have been to say I actually got in contact with him? That would have been brilliant. Sadly, no. He's a very busy man. Um, I wish him all the best. I wish everyone at Edge Innovation the best. Um, I think that wraps it up, Derek, for our first show. I think what we have created, just being able to link the two <laughs> topics together. We're, we're at the pinnacle of links. Literally. <laughs> I was so stressed out for a good 35 minutes thinking of links. And then we got it. We got it. We nailed it there near the end. They, what's it? They had us in the first half. They had us in the first half. You know, it wasn't looking good. We were behind in possession. And the manager said, look at now. Think of a link. And we did. We got the wet sponge treatment. We literally, literally the magic sponge. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. But there we go. We ha- we've, we've had two very interesting topics. Well, I like to think so. I would think um, so. You've been a great host, um, co-host, everything. Likewise. Thank likewise. you very much. You've been absolutely brilliant. I think this show has been quite good, especially for our first show. We can build upon this and, and make it bigger and better. This is the minimum standard. Exactly. <laughs> what you heard here today is the absolute bottom of the barrel. Yeah. It'll only get better. It We're, can only get better. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. We're, we're, we're starting at rock bottom. The only way is up. The only way is up. <laughs> so I hope, I hope you continue with us on this journey. Um, I've been Rory. I've been Dara. And you've been listening to Rory and Dara's Research and Development. <laughs>